0: Welcome to the Jess Larson Show on Innovation and Leadership. On this episode, I'm excited to have John Shrek McPhee, uh, former Delta Force operator, uh, storied special operations career, running a successful business today, uh, Sheriff of Baghdad Tactical, SOB Tactical. Uh, John, super stoked you had time to do this. Thanks. thanks for coming on. Yeah, thanks uh, for having me, man. So uh, I know the story, but... but l- I know versions of the story, but let's start with the nickname Shrek. Let's start there.
1: Yeah. Um, you know, we were just downrange. Uh, I think we we're by the shoot house or something. And like, like, you know, there's just like someone put some big immovable object in front of the shoot house door. Why? Well, shit like that happens all the time. You know what I mean? You might think this is weird, but where I work, like, yeah, we just got moved, whatever it is, right? Uh, and then Finally, guys like, oh, we'll go get the bucket loader or something, you know, and then I was like, I was like, man, I could move this thing. And there's only like me and one other guy waiting, you know, because everyone went to get the get other stuff, you know, and I'm like, I can move this thing. He's like, man, just wait. I'm like, I got this. I was like, pushed it out of the way. And he's like, first off, you should have done that earlier because now we're wasting time. Uh, and then and he's like, second off, you're like a fucking ogre, man. Like, you know what I mean? And um, like guys always told me I had retard strength. And uh, so he's like, You're like an ogre. He's like, You're like Shrek. And uh I really didn't have a nickname. Guys called me whatever, but like a nickname for me just didn't stick. Why I talk shit all the time, like I say crazy shit all the time. You know how many names I could have? Like it's exhausting, you know what I mean? So it's like, I don't know for and I don't give a shit. You know what I mean? Like you make a, you know, call a guy who picks his nose booger and it makes him mad. Like you're going to be booger forever. Right. Like that's just how the world works. So, um, yeah, I was like, yeah, Shrek, ha ha ha. And then when everyone came back, he's like, Hey, look, it's fucking Shrek. And the guy's like, ah, you're an ogre. Right. And then, uh, a couple weeks later, I called another guy who I don't know if you've had him on your show or not, but, um, uh, he, uh, I call his house and uh, his boys were like, who is this? I'm like, it's John. Get, go get your dad. I call here all the time, right? <laughs> and they're like, who is this? I'm like, it's Shrek. And he's like, Dada, Dada, Dada Shrek's on the phone. And I'm like, well, <laughs> that's when I knew like, uh, this is it. This is it.
0: Yeah, that's what I got. <laughs> that's too funny. Okay. Then the next one, uh, let's talk about Sheriff of Baghdad.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, uh, when I, one of my last jobs, I worked on the J staff. Uh, I was a SAR major and uh, we hired this guy who was the, he was the uh, 82nd airborne, like, like the SAR major or their ops SAR major or something. He was a high up CSM for I retired. And he, he came to work for us. Um, and one day, like I'm in the hallway, you know, and like, uh, my section had more civilians there's only a couple enlisted and like you know they got me and all I do is lift weights all day and tell you no you know what I mean like that's, that's all I do uh, and uh, he was like hey Sergeant Major I worked in Baghdad he was like uh, you know I made some t-shirts you want some and I was like I was like because you know uh, 10 30 to one I fight every day you know I'm in the dojo I rip up t-shirts and training like we don't always wear like you know uniforms you know what I mean Um. so I was like dude I'll, I'll take as many t-shirts for like training as I could get from you you know for the gym for rugby You know, I played rugby for Fort Bragg and the army like uh, I'll shred a t-shirt you know I was like yeah yeah he's like I got a bunch he's like what's your size I was like double triple x either or I'll wear you know uh he's like and so he brought me a bunch in and on the front it was like the the US embassy logo Baghdad and on the back it said sheriff and then it said of Baghdad and then it said serving strategic policy one citizen at a time and <laughs> and like i thought it was pretty funny right and uh i was like oh these are pretty funny man thanks you know and he gave me a bunch of them and um so uh uh, he was like, no one in the state department thought that was funny. And I was like, what, how, like, it's just a t-shirt. Right. Um, so he gave me a bunch of them. And then like, I wore them training. I wore them to like matches on the weekend, not even thinking about it. You know what I mean? Cause I had a ton of them. And then, you know, when I retired and um, they're like, you know, you gotta have a bit, this is, you're a business. Well, I'm not a business. I'm just a dude, you know what I mean? Like, You got to have a name, right? And then a buddy of mine, a longtime buddy of mine, who he's a kind of big business guy. He's like, dude, the sheriff of Baghdad. Every time I just hear that term, I start laughing. He's like, if that ain't your business name, I don't know what's going to be. And I was like, sheriff, I'm cool with that. Like, that makes sense to me, right? Like, if you think it's good, like, it's got to be good, right? I don't know. I don't know shit about business. So here I am, the sheriff of Baghdad.
0: (laughs) Too funny. So uh, just quickly, let's, let's talk career. Got in, what did you do to begin with? Uh, what did you do before you came to the unit? Uh, getting into the unit, give, give us yeah. the years. Where, yeah. where are you at? Uh,
1: let's see, 90 to 95-ish Ranger Battalion, 1st Ranger Battalion, First 95 to 96, the Q course and 7th group. uh and then 96 i was
0: in the unit training squadron uh when did you get out Uh, i retired in 11 on this show we we, you know we have all these different kinds of experts on the show but there really is like a real theme around entrepreneurship and i think one of my favorite things about having you guys from the unit on the show is um the odds are so stacked against you statistically from even just making it through selection, let alone staying in over time, you know, selection is an ongoing process, people say yeah. to me. Yeah, um, yeah. When you think about like, so you hear these stats, oh, to become a Navy SEAL, like 80% of the people wash out. And then you hear like unit stats and it's like 95% of people don't make it through selection. And most people yeah. were already in, right? Yeah. Um, when you think about why you made it through selection when statistically, you know, 19 out of 20 are not, and these are guys that have passed the test you know, yeah. these are. this isn't Joe off the street. This is likely previous special operations background, and still 19 out of 20 aren't making it. What do you think was different about you that you did make it through selection?
1: Yeah, I got to be honest, man. I think it's one thing, right? And it's one thing only. I'm from South Chicago. I got nothing to go back to. There's no back steps for me. There's no going home for me. If I had like family that loved me and grew up on the beach, I'd have never f- join the army i'd have been out on the beach banging chicks and smoking dope like everyone else you know what i mean like uh and i think that's why i passed rangers i think that's why i passed uh special forces is you know go back to what like where i grew up you know what i mean like i've i own nicer houses than anyone in my family first one of my family to own a couple houses i'm the you know what i mean like like i didn't have i didn't even have i I just tell my wife this the other day, I didn't even have my own clothes.
0: So uh, I had nothing to go back to. What did you tell yourself at any of the hard parts of selection? Oh yeah, this
1: is great. Uh, I think one of the, one of the Hills on like one of the road marches, it's like, Oh, you can use the road, but the road is like, you know what I mean like oh we said you could use the road and there's times where they say you could use the road and you don't because it's like you don't know and there's times where like you use the road because it's smart and there's times where you're like is using the road smart here I don't know like it's I don't know right so um yeah literally walking up this one hill one day like I I used to do this in, in ranger school too, but up this hill, I, I convinced myself to quit the army, right? Let's see. Uh, I quit the army. I grew my hair long. Uh, I just started doing drugs and hanging out on the beach and like, you know, imagining a life where I just did whatever the fuck I want. Cause this sucks. And then I got up to the top of the hill. I caught my breath and I was like, okay, well, time to keep going. You know what I mean? So uh, I think there's times where it's okay for you to take that mental moment to tell yourself this is
0: but it's not going to stay forever. Uh, this too shall pass. huh? <laughs> um, Everything does. Yeah. Um, so we've had, uh, I don't know, I think we've got maybe 20 folks on the show so far who've grown businesses from zero to a billion. Okay. Yeah. And, um, I see so many similarities between those guys and you know you guys at the absolute pinnacles of special operations community. Yeah. And so um my thought, I'm interested in advice for you. Let's say there's some entrepreneur listening today and they're saying like, I want to try and do that. I want to try and get a company over a billion. Yeah, and yeah. you know, their family rolls their eyes. like they like people are probably like generally nice to them, but like nobody believes them. Everybody thinks you're like, oh, that's just grandiose. Like, give me a break, right? Yeah, And you look at, I mean, you look at the unit specifically, right? It's like, call it 2 million service members, 1% are in special operations, then, you know, statistically, it's kind of lines up like 1% of 1%, make it into, you know, being a JSOC operator, right? And, you know, it's like, if special operations is the pro athletes of the military, you know, at that classified tier one level, these are like the actual Michael Jordans, the Steph Currys of the NBA, right? Yeah. And so statistically exceedingly unlikely, right? Yeah. So um, even though it's a different world, what advice would you have for these folks that are like, it's not just bravado, like they're actually trying to build a multi-billion dollar business. Yeah. yeah. And like, and, and they, they don't have a bunch of, uh, they don't have a bunch of people saying, oh yeah, you can for sure do in that. What advice do you have for somebody in that position where they might feel a little yeah. lonely?
1: Yeah, I'll tell you this. First off, you're not lonely. You're not alone, right? And second off, you already f***ed this up. And here's how you it up. Don't tell anybody the total plan ever. No one will believe you. They'll tell you it's they'll tell you it's it's whatever. It's this, it's that, it's this. No, you already f***ed up by telling anyone your whole plan. Uh anybody who Charles de Gaulle after World War II, if he would have said he wanted to take over France and do all these things, someone would just would have shot him in the face because life was pretty much at zero during World War II. However, he baby stepped his way in. The Brits are like, well, we'll let you talk on our, our radio, right? He knew all along. And if you read about him, you read his books. He knew he was taking over France. He was doing all these things. and But what he never did is he never gave up the whole plan. Right, and what I would tell anybody who wants to get to a billion dollars, your conversation should only be baby steps of what's next to gauge whether you can or can't do it. And even if someone says you can't, don't listen to that. You know you can. (laughs) You know what I mean? People have been telling me I can't do my whole life. Here I am, and I'm an entrepreneur, and I'm. I'd like to get to a billion dollars in a business. Right. I wouldn't mind, you know. Uh, however, I would tell, I think the answer to this question is never tell someone your whole plan, right? Because it, it might sound crazy to them when this is your path. This is your, you know this to be right. You know what I mean? Yeah. When you can't let someone else convince you that it's different.
0: So another thing I admire about your, your community that again feels like it applies very much so to you know whether it's becoming an investment fund manager and, and starting a new fund and all the hats you have to wear for that or or you know founder CEO where you're kind of like the buck stops at you is um, so I just had another you know guy on day before yesterday we were talking about this of so like it's was so shocking to me to like actually start becoming friends with you guys and find out like how wide the interests are like guys interested in woodworking. And and like identifying plants and like, like these like, like, I feel like you guys are like a massive community of learners. And like, I had it explained to me, it's like that you don't even think about yourselves as like being the best at everything. It's like, yeah, we might be the best pistol shooters there are, but we're good enough at all these things. Like somebody said to me, like, you put me up against the best UFC fighter in the world. I'm not going to tell you I'm going to win, but I'm good enough in a fight. Or like, I don't know if you see it differently, but it, I feel like you no. guys... Are, yeah. are so good at so many things and just achieved like j- true full mastery at maybe a couple of things or a handful of things but you you're like a very diverse yeah. skill set that like helps with creativity do
1: you see it differently Since, no um think about this pool of water let's say the pool of water only gets it a foot deep well at the bottom are the ufc fighters of all the fighters In the middle, six inches deep is probably the 90% of everybody who fights. Well, what if you could train yourself to get eight inches deep? I don't ever need to waste the time. And what if that eight inches deep came to me today? Why waste another minute on this? Why waste one second of energy on this when there's something that I'm weak at? You know what I mean? So I'd say another way to look at this is law of averages like uh you know you've talked to other unit guys we used to have squadron days you know what i mean and i'll tell you like i used to pride myself for coming in top five top 10 now physically like i'm my whole life i got retard strength i ain't i'll out road march you but i ain't out running you you know what i mean so like okay i'm not the runner but i am the strong guy right and what i would do is you know, if we're going to have a squadron event and everyone's going to be ranked today, right? Think about this. What if I came in the top 11 of every event over 10 events? <laughs> what, if I, what if I know there's events, I can be in the top five, but what if I don't let myself dip under the top 10? Guess who wins without trying hard? It's law of averages, right? Now, conceptually, here's what I'm telling you. I'm just, the stuff I'm good at, I'm not trying to win. I'm trying to do my best. If someone beats me today, good on you, doc, right? And then the stuff I suck at, this is where I put out because I suck at this, right? So the stuff I suck at, ooh, if I could just not come in last on that run, you know what I mean? Like (laughs) there's only so many of us, this is an average thing, right? So what I'm telling you is if you limit the downside, What you'll find is there's way more upside to life if you just manage the downside better. Makes sense.
0: Yeah, Um, and you know, so I had the guy on the show who grew Sonic, you know, like the restaurant Sonic Burger. Yeah, I I love my wife. We love Sonic. Okay, so Cliff Hudson grew them from. He became. He got. He got put in charge when they're doing like, uh, maybe four hundred million a year and grew them to four and a half billion a year, okay? And afterwards, he writes this book called Master of None, okay? You know the the term, Jack of all trades, master of none. He's like, do you know where that saying comes from? I was like, no. He's like, this hack writer was was trying to disparage William Shakespeare and saying, oh, that guy's not a good writer. That guy's a jack of all trades, master of none. (laughs) Well, the guy who had the criticism none of us have heard of And the guy who he's saying it about is arguably one of the most famous authors of all time, right? And this Cliff Cliff Hudson guy says, like, everybody says focus, 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 and you can only do one thing. He's like, I patently disagree. He's like, "I, I feel like the reason we, you know, over 10 times Sonic had to do with me knowing a little bit about a lot of things and me being interested in a whole bunch of things. And, um, I hear this repeatedly and, and maybe you'd see it differently, but it seems like the unit often selects where like, I think about, so I, you know, 10 years of consulting for DOD, I, I see a lot of big army, and then I've kind of specialized with, with you guys and, and the IC. And there's a lot of like, can you follow orders good enough over here? And there's a lot of like, can we train the, the, the lowest enlisted guy on the list? Can we train him so well, we can actually trust his decisions? Uh, and what I hear, and, and maybe you see it differently, is that there is a real emphasis on selecting for creativity. Like, don't quit and, like, creative problem solving. Do you see it different?
1: Uh, no. Would, and I would also say um, it's better to be the jack of all trades. And I'm going to tell you why. Uh, one of the infills into Afghanistan, we had a vehicle brake line break in the back of the airplane. Trucks has got no brakes. Where's the mechanics? Well, we don't always bring our mechanic because he's a support guy or considered a support guy. What do we do? We got a vehicle down. We got too much equipment, too much, too much dudes to leave this thing on the plane. Oh, by the way, it's blocking other we need off the plane too. Right. And it's got to go back on the plane. Right. And so I used to be a mechanic. I fixed the brakes. Now, they only had like three brakes or four, you know, three out of four or five out of six. However, this vehicle was not deadlined, right? And then I'm mechanically inclined. I've always been. I, I started as a welder and a diesel mechanic as a kid. As a matter of fact, I thought that's what I was going to do. I tried to join the Air Force. I didn't want to do any of this shit. I just want to be a jet mechanic. So uh, I'm super handy. My buddy. He used to be a generator mechanic. His first MOS in the army was generator mechanic. A generator goes down. Guess what, right? So I would rather have, you know, 50 guys from varied backgrounds than 50 Navy SEALs. You know what I'm saying? Because there's other shit that's going to happen that a guy might know how to do this. The guy who flips houses on the weekends, right, helps build our tent into a building. (laughs) um so i would say this is the jack of all trades is better than being the master now i'm going to tell you this there's another layer to this that i don't ever think gets talked about is once you've mastered one thing you know how easy it is to master more You know what I mean? Uh, Once you master one thing, I mean, master one thing, you know what that takes. You could master something else better, quicker, and more efficient. And then you you can master a third thing. And then, but the truth is, is like, are you mastering these things or are you still the jack of all trades? And where does the master level start? Is that the 12 inches deep? Well, what if across the board, I just stay at eight inches? Yeah. I'm better than 90% of
0: everyone out there. And I'm, you know. When when you think about the few skills that you decided to to really take to the next level, what, what did you choose? Or what do you feel like you did put that extra effort to get to an even higher level at?
1: Yeah, my, my biggest achievement, I think, for that is when I would just go out alone all the time. I mean, think about this. You're always out with 30 fucking dudes. You know how many people we could kill today? Like just come get some, you're going to die. And, 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 you know, I'm still going to eat a sandwich and we don't even care. Like, this is easy for us. Right. So, so that happens. Right. But the reality is, is like, when I was out alone, I learned a hundred times more per minute than I ever did being with two, three or four guys. Why? I only got me in a place that is only me. So if I'm going to get out of here today, I have to commit to killing everybody who steps in front of me today because there's only one way this is going to go and it ends bad for everybody to includes me. However, if it goes well, it'll go well. You know what I mean? Um, And the truth is, is I learned so much more being alone, right? I learned actually how to use people and let them help me. Imagine that even in war zones. There's people that'll help you even though they shouldn't be. Why? They're fucking humans and they know the difference between right and wrong. Right? So my biggest thing is uh, once I did that, all the guys, all the kids I got out of OTC as a team leader in that, I wanted the smartest (laughs) I teach anyone to shoot. I teach anyone to climb a rope. Anyone can do the O course. I teach, you know, guys in the unit say they could teach a monkey to shoot. I think that's but I think I could teach a monkey to shoot. Now this goes, all of this is to say the biggest thing here is I'm not training you what to do. I'm training you how to think. And if I can train you how to think, doesn't matter what the skill is. You'll always make the right decision. You'll always do the right things. So I need to first, I need to train you how to think.
0: I mean, I think there are so many people listening that don't, you know, may not realize just how incredibly rare anybody in the DOD doing singleton missions is. Like that's, you know, like I don't think people, you know, we we watch too many spy movies, right? I think people yeah. don't realize like out of two million service members, virtually nobody does singleton missions, right? Um, and so I'm interested when you when you were like getting your game face on when you're thinking knowing you're gonna have more singleton missions coming up, like. Um, what, did you, what skill sets did you work on so that you would be better on a singleton mission? What, what was going on in your head to, to prep for those?
1: It's really two things. One, you got to look like you blend in. You know what I mean? I'm a big white guy. I, this science fact, this white used to be red. Red doesn't go gray over time. Red is either red or white. That's it. I, I have nothing I can do, right? I learned this on Google like a year ago, so google it you'll find out but um you got to blend in so part of it's a a little disguise clothes right and then the next thing is you have to appear like you belong demeanor every building like uh and this goes back to my first day in ranger battalion as a new private walk into a ranger battalion barracks and be mousy be uh uh, I don't know. Right. Like, no, you walk in a ranger battalion hallway, like you own the, this looks like you belong. And then you're not going to have someone kick. The, you know what I'm saying? Right. And you're like, uh, so what are you doing here? Uh, Sarge? I, uh, I, uh, uh, shut the fuck up. Do pushups. Right. Like, so uh, you know, it goes back to demeanor. You got to look like you belong and you got to look like everywhere you are, you own this motherfucker. I walk up on people. Like I'm in charge. I walk like them. I do everything they do. Uh, I would say the biggest thing
0: is number one is demeanor and number two is de-escalation. Yeah. What do you feel like are some of the principles of de-escalation that are most effective?
1: (sighs) Yeah. First principle of fucking de-escalation. I'm just making this up. I don't know if there is a first rule, but I'm going to tell you the first rule of de-escalation is stay calm enough for long enough. So you make a better decision has nothing about anyone else. Once that starts to happen right? You can generally do things to de-escalate. You know what I mean? Not every situation needs to be escalated to everyone dies. You know what I mean? Uh, and this is the standard operator mantra.
0: I, I will say I was surprised. So Peter Donovan, who's been on the show, I was telling you before, he used to be the executive director of our Child Rescue Association charity, right? And he would talk about like he wasn't trying to get in fights like in fact in general it was more efficient not to get in fights and so like if anything he was like he felt like he was a preventer a lot of times do you see it similar? Um, no
1: you're not okay. a preventer you okay. can't prevent anything um i think you're a finisher okay if we're going to do this i finish it if we're not going to do this how do i finish that as well so I would say anybody who can de-escalate, de-escalate their way out of a situation is a fucking finisher, is a closer, is a it doesn't matter how this deal and that's my thing. I don't care how this deal gets closed whether you, your family, who cares. I don't give a f- just so I go home. Right? Um and I think that kind of boils down to the the de-escalation of you staying calm enough for long enough to make a better decision. You know, it's easy to say and pull the trigger that's the easiest part of all of it the killer capture the kill is the easiest part 18 year old kids in the army can do the kill it's the capture that's complicated now navy seals can't even pull off a capture
0: you know what i mean so um can you explain that for people who who don't have your background why the capture is so much harder
1: yeah because this dude's gonna kill you your mates the people you know he's gonna shoot at you possibly injure you and you gotta keep calm enough for long enough
0: to take him in without you or someone else killing him you know um i've heard you talk about how like later in your career things stopped being so much zero or ten and like you said you said things like i kind of got nicer and i realized like i could make i could i could still get my job done being even more humane can you can you talk about what being more humane looks like for you how about just trying to deal with people and you need to hear their words, but you need to feel what they're saying. You know what
1: I mean? Because look, uh, I could tell you to fuck off and still love you. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you know, a dad thing is like, no, we're not son. Like, okay, you know, uh, there's context with that. But uh, that's what I would say. And I think it's that simple, you know? And, and what I would do is I'd wake up in the morning and and I had one, two options. I could have a miserable day like yesterday, which I did that yesterday, right, and I was mean all day, or I could try to be happy all day, and then what I noticed is I had gotten away from who I was, like it was one or ten, like I'm, um, that's it, like, whoa. that's it (laughs) this is it right i got no other words for that right and then to find out like oh hell ricky bobby i was high when i said that you could be first you could be fifth (laughs) like you know what i mean like i could be second like uh anyway um i just told myself hey man just try to have fun today be nice and um you know i think this is the premise of ptsd right and uh it's I think it's long-term results of always thinking of the downside, the negative effects of, right? The positive effects, we shred in the AR afterwards, you know, you this up, I that up, you, uh, right? So when are you ever thinking positively? You don't think positively of war. It's all negative thought processes that achieve your success, which is a positive, but that's not how you get there, ergo your brain thinks negatively all those times. Yeah. And then, you know, years of thinking negatively—guess what? My brain does. And then guys are shocked. No, you've been thinking negatively for years.
0: I, I want to go back to this comment you talked about of demeanor. You know, so one of the new things we're working on at Child Rescue right now is um, having programs to teach higher level, basically source recruitment skills to regular cops. So yeah. they can infiltrate like more sophisticated criminal organizations that are selling kids in our country. Okay, I didn't mean to laugh. <laughs> and uh, it's a, it's got to start somewhere, right? And so like, well, because what happens normally is in the police academy, like they it's not their fault. Like they get asked, "Hey, go bust a trafficker who's got a kid," or "Go on, you know, they used to go on back page, maybe now it's red book or something like this." Right? It's like. Go catch a pimp, go catch a chapter, and they do that. But um the idea of like recruiting a source that could be in place for five or six years and continually give Intel and it could be bust after bust, and we could you know instead of just trimming the leaves on this tree, we could go after the uh, go after the trunk. Yeah. they just don't they just don't get that training. And Correct. so we're trying to like say, hey, well, if this works for federal agencies and the Intel community and and different folks like, why? Why like this is our kids' lives. Like, why aren't we equipping these? So we're trying to like run the pilot programs so that local governments will be like, oh, that's worth tax dollars. Okay. So yeah. I want to talk about this idea of demeanor. Um, when you think about um, what has to happen mentally for you to like live this cover of actually feeling like you belong instead of just pretending like you belong, can can you talk about that headspace at all? This is, this is really what this is as simple as personal confidence. You
1: got to have the confidence to walk in somewhere and be able to hold your own, answer questions, tell people your name, right? Like this goes back to childhood stuff, right? Kids, if you send a kid to a summer camp with all his friends, that kid is just going to be the kid he was the day he left. You send that kid to a summer camp alone where every year he has to make friends, this kid's going to know how to make friends. Right. Um, and, and that was kind of my thing as a kid is, you know, we moved a lot, you know, neighborhoods, like that was kind of my thing is everywhere I went, I had to stand on my own. And a lot of times that was getting beat. You know what I mean? And then I was a little guy, I'll stand there and take the beating, but don't think that you're, (laughs) I'm backing down. I'm taking the beating, you know? Um, so the demeanor piece, you know, the reason I laughed is the police academies, uh, you know, they don't do much with demeanor, right? And everybody thinks demeanor is uh, backing down the situation. Like, oh, well, I don't give a fuck about that guy. It's like, and I've told guys this over the years. Yeah, I don't care about him either. Humans are humans, right? I could be busting you. I'm not the bad guy here. You're not the bad guy here, right? Um, And cops that do that over time, like they build friends, people they've arrested will deal with them, right? Because they, you still have to give a human being the respect that they need. And that's the respect that you think you deserve, right? And I'll tell you, this is like so many times, uh, I really don't want to talk about it today. I'll talk about it one day on a podcast, but I'm not ready to talk about this one. But there was a night where there was a lot of dead people. And some of our guys' reaction to these dead women, kids, dead people, um, people, people, like, you know, some of the what we should do with them was shocking to me. And um, I learned that night that even though fundamentally, right, I could hate our enemies per se. I can't hate their kids. I can't hate their wife. I can't hate their mom, even though they might all hate me. I get it. I still have to treat them humanely. Right. And then cops all the time when you're in the trenches getting punched in the face fucking beat up taking these running dudes down in the middle of the night like we do the same you know um it's really hard really hard to back it down when it's time to be humane and even i've had those problems in the past so um you know hey you know you got to go arrest that pimp you know, like, hey, you know, we're going to fist fight. You know, I'm going to win. I, it's not personal. If you just turn around, let me do the cops. We can be out of here. However, if I have to kick you, <laughs> it's not personal. And and I think that's the big thing with demeanor that people miss is they think it is personal. This is personal. No, you wouldn't be here if it wasn't your job. <laughs> you know, if you weren't a cop, you wouldn't be caring about
0: some you didn't even know about before you had to go arrest someone yeah. over there. You know what I mean? i want to finish this i want to keep going on this topic but just for one second tell people about what SOB tactical is actually teaching uh
1: i teach all this stuff to my guys not only this but you know i teach a lot of shooting um i teach guys how to think and the way i do it is i use video diagnostics and uh you know police call video evidence right so although the gun world can say i didn't see you i wasn't on the range so you can't judge me uh video is evidence in a court of law a judge everybody who sees a video says (laughs) Uh, so i could coach them online right but um yeah i i do the video and what i do is look there's no yelling there's no ego there's no bravado like that doesn't work that is not the best way to deal or train with human beings you know what i mean uh strip the ego away and show the information what works show people just give people the answer to the test and and they'll respect you for it you know what i mean so what I would tell a police academy or new police officers to learn some type of demeanor is this is your job, right? Just like, you know, the diesel mechanics, not mad that I'm hot rodding my truck. No, he pulls pull a truck in. He fixes it. You like, right? Like, but in, when you deal with people on a daily basis, you deal with, you deal with people who lie to you on a daily basis right it just makes you think we already talked about this negatively you think negatively about people you treat them negatively and then you'll never have a friend and then you'll
0: never get any information out of anybody ever again well this kind of goes back I, I was thinking about when you were talking about going to Tora Bora and buying all the blankets and dressing up essentially yeah. to, to well, fit the part right and and thinking of this like you know trying to help cops with the right kind of demeanor when they're essentially doing undercover singleton missions like this mindset from like i mean when you're a cop in america and you've got your gun and your badge on you you can you can kind of make a lot of stuff happen right and so this idea of like um dressing dressing like uh the criminal population you're trying to become friends with so that you can recruit one of these guys as a source to tell you where they're moving the kids to or what's going on or right yep. and you know we had a Last month, we had a 25-year agency case officer and a 20-year case officer. And they talked about something that a number of other IC folks have talked about, like this source that they're working with, like might on the whole actually be like uh, a person who's made really bad choices in life they don't have respect for. they're like, I try to find something about that person I can respect. I try to like figure out, I try to like discover some humanity about this individual. And then I I try to talk to that. Bit of them. Yeah. Do you have any thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, I think that's flawed logic. Okay. That person's a person. We the same. From jump, we're the same. I make bad decisions too. The fact that you think you're different is the f- problem. Actually, I think that's ego. You think you're different than this person. Huh? They got two arms or maybe they got less fingers. Who knows? Maybe you got less fingers. I don't know. But the reality is, is to think you have nothing in common with another human being is ridiculous. What do people want? Security, family, you know what I mean? Money, right? Like it's simple.
0: It is funny as soon as you say that, it's like we probably have way more in common than we have. Separate,
1: <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh,
0: I, I think about this like I remember going to uh my first time in hong kong i was walking down this street and like i'm six foot three right and so it's like what would be equivalent of like four lanes of traffic but like, you're no like this cars. everywhere you go it's like I, I it's the most amount of people i've ever seen in one place at the same time right it's just like a sea of black hair and i'm you know kind of <laughs> no love that's it, what, love it. that's yeah, what right it looks there. like look look
1: you're standing there right <laughs> And then look, you're standing there and this is where everyone's head is and you're like bigger than everybody. For me, yeah. it'd be like right here. <laughs> right? So but scary.
0: you're 6'3", so you're like, you're, you're on a train just looking over everybody. But I think about this, like, I think about like, you know, social media and all sorts of the news. Everybody has like made a lot of money trying to get us to actually hate fellow Americans because of political reasons or different stuff, right? Like there's so much of think, and, th- and I thought about this idea of like, if I saw one other American on the street, I'd be like, "Hey, how are you?" Because <laughs> yeah. it's just like, like I would just feel like I had so much in common with them, regardless right. of lifestyle differences that we have or right. uh, religion differences. Like one, like I would feel so much in common with one other American at that point. And then as soon as I get back home, now all of a sudden I see all these differences. I'm like, oh, well, you're not a snowboarder. Like, you wouldn't get me. I'm an entrepreneur snowboarder. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. Uh, and, and but the truth is. Kind of what you said. Like, um, I kind of love this concept of like, there's not really good people or bad people. Like, there's only one kind of people. It's people.
1: If you believe in God, most people Yeah, I do. I'm a I, churchy
0: guy. No, I know, but I, I'm not saying
1: you, I'm just saying people in general, right? Like it kind of works like this. Your choices are your choices in life, right? You make the best decisions you can in life, right? It's not my job to judge you it's my job to treat you like i want to be treated right it's god's job whoever that is if there is one believe whatever god you believe hey whatever it's his guy it's his job to judge whether you did right or wrong whether you're i don't know a murderer right like you could murder somebody and it's justified and you tell god the reasons and he's like you're not going to hell Right. Or you could tell him that and be like, who knows? Right. But it's not my job to judge. The problem with most law enforcement is they are judges. They want to be the judges. So it's flawed logic in the sense that, like, well, you know, I got to talk to this guy. I mean, what do we got in common? I don't know. I bet he eats chocolate, hand him a candy bar. God damn. Like, you know, give him a piece of key. You know how much you know how much information I got as a singleton giving out pieces of f-
0: candy. Just can you tell us a quick story about about what being on a singleton mission, treating somebody like a human being, and it going well for you?
1: Oh, I used to do it all the time. I used to have to get gas in my taxi. I don't know how to speak the language. You know what I mean? Like, you know, you someone like moves out of your way, or you know, you move out of someone's way, right? Like. It's courtesy. It's common courtesy. It's not, there's no techniques here. It's just, how would you treat your own family? You know what I mean? If your wife was carrying a load of clothes through the house, would you just stand there? Like, I have nothing in common with this woman. Like, no, you'd move the fuck out of her way. Cause she's busy. Like it, the fact that um, if people can't see just to be people with people like I'm not sure what to say. I don't have the words to describe it, you know, but I would tell you, this is a lot of times, you know, the, the police departments, the agencies I train, like, you know, it's like, well, we got nothing in common with this guy. Well, the flawed. that's why you've never got anything from him. (laughs) You know what I mean? Let me go talk to him. Like, Oh, wow. You actually like what? I mean, I love those things. Are you kidding me? Like, you know what I mean? Or like, Hey, I got you some Reese's peanut butter cups. They're my favorite. Like, you want one, right? I just brought you my favorite thing. And then, but think about this, all my stuff is all like, what do you call the guy that don't talk? The mime. Yeah, because I don't know the language. So all mine's gestures, head down, look down, hand on the heart, look down. Like there's gestures you can do to show you're not a threat, you're
0: not a problem. You think about going from like being the actual Michael Jordan level of the pro athletes of the military to a singleton mission, dress up like a local, uh, not putting uh, M4 in guys' faces, right? Yeah. If you had to give advice to cops who are, they're going on their first undercover missions to try and befriend this potential source, and they need to unlearn unlearn the the demeanor of being a cop. What kind of advice do you have for that yeah have a few drinks first okay other than that one (laughs) why not uh okay if their department won't let them do that one what other advice Uh,
1: food food Mm. or alcohol share a meal with someone see where that gets you right even on all all the teams i've been in charge of most of them fucking hate each other when you get there and you're like i'm in i'm the fucking i'm in charge here of guys who fucking hate each other what the fuck like what the fuck (laughs) who knew right um i'd make everyone go to dinner i'd make us eat together i'd make us um anything with food together right and the first the first meal is like You know what I mean? By about the 10th time we did this, we're getting thrown out of the Chinese restaurant because they got a spinning table and that ain't great for soup when someone hits the spinning table. You know what I mean? Like, uh, and then all of a sudden a couple food fights happen. Like, you don't know what's going to happen, right? So the reality is, is whoever you are, wherever you think your ego is, come in with none. Come in with none. I expect nothing. I want nothing. I just want to know who you are. That's how you come into this.
0: I I love that. I love that answer so much. Uh, It leads me in my next question, though. What about this officer who needs to overcome the anxiety of like, I've never gone and hung out with a bunch of with a bunch of guys who are like hardcore criminals, not like petty thieves. I mean, like legit, like these people. Yeah, like these people chop people up and put them in suitcases to get them out kind of folks yeah. right yeah and i'm yeah. gonna go in there without a weapon without backup and yeah. like you said like you have to sell it like you, you talked about like you got to go in just like going into ranger battalion don't be a mouse right don't be mousy well mm-hmm. like there's a lot of alpha males in you know hyper violent. you know like for instance we know our top advisor out of LAPD human trafficking said that like over the last decade he's just seeing so many more of Bloods and Crips, MS-13, selling less drugs and selling more kids because they can sell them more than once, okay? And, you know, like, these are some of the most violent people in our country currently, right? Mm -hmm. And somebody needs to go hang out with them for the first time. And like you said, they need to show up with confidence. Uh, But this is a completely new environment. And all those other things that used to make them feel safe, like a gun and a badge and backup, they, they may not have here. What kind of thoughts do you have of like how to condition themselves to get in the kind of place where they can walk in with confidence?
1: Yeah, this is super easy. Okay. Go find people that you similar to where they hang out. Let's say you had to go with biker gangs, go to their bars and just go start going to bars and hanging out with bikers. Go to go hang out in the crypt neighborhood. Don't try to make friends with them. Just hang out. You don't, like, the thing is, is you don't have to do anything. Just be a f***ing person. And I'll tell you, like, okay, yeah, I've killed thousands of people, I think. Okay. You, you think that's all I do here? No. Most of my social media is f***ing barbecue when I'm cooking steak and shit You know what I mean? Like, I eat food. How about maybe go eat some food with them? they drink alcohol have a drink with them right if you don't drink as a human being just say hey I never touched the stuff as a human being like never like never like it's not my thing people can accept that even hardcore criminals there could be there could be the the biggest killer of the bunch may not drink right and then people are people there's only like I'm gonna tell you right now and I don't know what they are because I'm not enough scientist or a doctor i'm just a simple guy but there's only like 12 types of people in the world right and i say this all the time about all the teams i've ever been on there's guys who only think about getting panties well those guys would be rapists if they were criminals uh there's guys the aggressive psychopath only wants to kill that's me oh okay right uh, there's there's other guys. There's guys that want to steal. S- you know the guys that are shiny trinkets. They want to stuff in their pockets. There's, right. And on a nightly basis, as the star major, you know what I mean. Like we raid a house. There's a bunch of pretty girls. You 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 out of perimeter security. Where's my psychopath at? Oh. F- Oh, in the bathroom with the fucking detainees. You know what I mean? Imagine that, you know? But boss, shut the f- up or you'll be on outer security. Okay, I, I'll, be, I'll behave tonight, right? It's keeping everyone in check, but every one of these guys has a hobby. Every one of these guys eats food. They like candy. They drink, f-ing. I don't know, energy drinks. I mean, man, like, like, you know, the reality is it's like people aren't psychos and killers all the time they could a psycho and a killer could actually good do do good things i've heard of biker hell's angel guys that you know are the they one percent i've heard of those guys doing very charitable acts for kids and crazy stuff right so these people are still people
0: we've covered a bunch of different subjects here you get asked a lot of questions on the other shows you go on <coughs> um What's something I didn't ask that you want to talk about? I'm good. Just ask me questions. That's kind of how I work. I want to talk about this idea of like relentless pursuit of excellence and like selection is an ongoing process. And so yeah. a bunch of these guys that like zero to a billion guys that I interview, yeah. I talked to them, like, I'm, I'm super fascinated with this idea of like venture capitalists are constantly kicking them out of their own companies. Okay. Mm-hmm. Saying like, uh, we, need, we, need somebody, we need somebody who's good enough to run a company that's now this big and you've tapped out, okay? This happened, very classic entrepreneur problem.
1: Right.
0: You're good at the scavenger hunt to find a repeatable business. You're good at getting it to the certain level. And then the guys who you unfortunately turned into your bosses by selling your shares to them now kick you out of the business because they don't think you've got what it takes to get to the next level. And yet these, these guys who have done the zero to billionaire, like I just had the guy who started Lululemon on, he got it to 40 billion, 41 billion, okay? Right, ask him the same question. And um, they they have this mindset of like continuous improvement, like they're constantly trying to qualify for the next level of the job, mm-hmm. and they're trying to like they're trying to scale themselves, they're trying to grow themselves and their capabilities and mindset and skills and things like this. Um, when you think about when you think about that type of mentality, uh, what kind of lessons from the unit or or just any observations that you have for how to approach, you know, yeah. not resting on our laurels?
1: Yeah, you know, like when <clears throat> we've talked about this, guys, strive for excellent, right? Perfect, this, perfect Perfect is the enemy of done. You want it done? You want it perfect. You want it perfect? You're going to wait. You want it done? Let's get it done now. And if we just got it done now, we would learn what we fucked up, what we didn't fuck up, what happened, what didn't happen. We would learn that here. And then we could go, well, we were striving for perfect, but we got done. How do we get done one more time and tweak a couple of things and then done again and then done again. And again, this goes back to my, the first question and the first answer is never give someone the whole plan, only do baby steps, right? So perfect's the enemy to done. Hey, and there might be a time for perfect. There might be a time this thing has to be perfect. And okay, if that's true, we wait. However, most of the time in business, because if you're not turning and burning those P&L statements, right? Like, you know, right? You need to do all this. So guess what happens? Perfect is the enemy at done. So the guy who makes the Lululemon, that 40 billion, uh, he got a lot of stuff done, looked at it, learned, Tweaked it, got it done again, looked at it, learned, tweaked it, got
0: it done again. And those were all baby steps. When you think about somebody who you were in the unit with that you did think was amazing, what were some of their traits?
1: The the guys I thought were amazing um, had one quality, right? And the unit really knows how to train for this quality. And that's to make it happen. I'm going to give you a fucking situation that can't be solved. And I'm going to give you 20 minutes. Go. See what fucking happens. You know what I mean? Um, so, and that's why I did a lot of singleton stuff. Cause I was a make it happen guy. Guys would tell me like, we got to have this done. We don't know how to do it. And I'd just go get it done.
0: Like, so. Um, and for people did- who don't have the context, what's an example of something that you would be going and getting done on a singleton mission.
1: Yeah. Uh, picking up sources, uh, transporting people. You know what I mean? I mean, a lot of, I I was just thinking this this morning. As a matter of fact, I think Saddam could have been caught a lot sooner had yeah. the government, I'll just leave it there without naming names. I mean, you read into it, please. Uh, without the government driving somewhere to pick up, people who had seen Saddam and just driving up to the front of their house in Baghdad in like three black suburbans, six black suburbans. Guess who's going to be dead in a ditch tomorrow morning? Anybody got a question? Anyone? Like so. You better get everything you got out of them today. Otherwise, this we're done with this. And, and you know, that's why I started doing stuff like I was doing. You know what I mean? I could, I could go to a mosque and meet somebody and pick them up and no one knows because they should be there. And I look like I should be there. I would say the make it happen quality um is we need something done, and this is outside of kind of normal business. You know what I mean? Like if you were an accountant and they were like, hey, you need to go fix the truck. You're like, what? I do the calculator. I'm the calculator guy. Remember, right? Like uh, it's kind of, it would be like that situation. I would, you would give a guy a situation like that. And then we do it in training all the time. Like, <clears throat> I mean, uh, I have a propensity for stealing cars. So I used to steal a lot of cars and it'd be like, okay. You got two minutes to steal a car out of the mall parking lot during Christmas with <laughs> snipers on the roof. Like, well, fuck you guys then, you know what I mean? Like, just cause you know I can do this doesn't mean I wanna do this like this. Like, can't I just break into the car like out front of the shoot house and we drive away? Like the truth is is like, uh, it's all situations that you may not be qualified for and you've got to figure out on the fly. And that's why I say,
0: I always train guys how to think, not what to think. In your mind, what's what's one of the most central principles to getting somebody to trust you enough to become a source? When it comes to source recruitment, what's, what would be one of your favorite principles?
1: My biggest principle, I think, would be don't sell them anything. Don't try to sell them anything. Just try to know who they are first. That'd be the first thing. Like, um, I've turned a bunch of sources out of Baghdad. Like I went and found Saddam's tailor in a shop downtown and just over a few conversations, you know, um, he was a, he became a friend and then, you know, he rolled on the butlers who rolled on, who rolled on, who rolled on. Right. And then, you know, you know, that's all history. Right. But um, I would say just get to know him first and don't, don't, don't just come in like, okay, where's the drugs, Bob? We know you got them, right? Like we'll do an anal cavity. So you're not going to get anywhere. Like, who are you? Like, what do you do? You know what I mean? Before I even ask a probing question, maybe maybe have a meal. You know what I mean? Like, and um, I kind of think it's like the, like the, uh, I was told by another business guy, right? Uh, He has a three phone call rule, right? Uh, First phone call, basically long story short third phone call is when you ask for money so uh i would say if you if you are just be open and honestly openly meet this person without a connection you're going to get
0: nothing well let's let's celebrate your websites or social or the best places yeah. for them to follow you Yeah. Around.
1: uh so um the sheriff of baghdad uh SOBTactical.com, the sheriff of baghdad uh all our social media is sob tactical and we do oh i think we do it all it's it's exhausting
0: <laughs> i'm not a big personal thank you for me for uh like protecting our way of life and so that my family gets to live such a easy soft life and yeah. uh putting yourself in harm's way for us all
1: thanks man yeah I'm, I'm not the guy to thank i just doing whatever well i wanted to do so like there's probably someone that needs that a real thanks more than I do, uh, but I definitely appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for making time for this. Yeah, dude, anytime, man. Hey, thanks. It was a good talk. Thanks for having me.